Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Tuesday. I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to have you along for this hour of spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And uh, what are some of the things that you memorized as a child, things you memorized and you still remember to this day? Maybe like the Pledge of Allegiance. Did you have to say that at school every morning? Did you have to memorize the Gettysburg Address or perhaps the preamble of the U.S. Constitution? How about this line? In 1492, can you finish it? Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Well, 400 years later, after that, after that 1492 event, uh, in commemoration of Columbus's voyage across the Atlantic, it was decided to hold a World's Fair in Chicago to celebrate that anniversary. So this was 1892. And Chicago, they wanted to make it the world's uh, best World's Fair that ever had happened, that had ever been seen. But one problem was that just a few years earlier, Paris had held a World's Fair. This was 1889. And there was a man named Gustave Eiffel. And he had designed a magnificent iron tower that was the centerpiece of the fair. In Chicago, they found themselves in a quandary over how they could come up with a structure for their fair that would top the Eiffel Tower. Well, a man from Pittsburgh named George, he provided the answer. He suggested making a giant wheel, a wheel that, as he put it, would out-Eiffel Eiffel. And so George put together the plans. He worked out the engineering. He helped to create this iconic wheel that would have 36 cars, each of them fitted with 40 revolving chairs, able to accommodate up to 60 people, giving a total capacity of 2,160 people that could ride on the brand new Ferris wheel. George Ferris, he wanted his new ride to be something that would allow people to view the entire World's Fair there in Chicago, high above all the buildings or any of the other structures. When that construction was finally completed, it was estimated that about 38,000 people rode on the Ferris wheel each day of that World's Fair. And now, of course, throughout our country, every county fair with a carnival, every amusement park, they have some version of a Ferris wheel. And when you ride on a Ferris wheel, you never stay in one place for very long. Sometimes you're at the top and you have that breathtaking view of everything that you can see for miles and miles. But when you're at the bottom, (laughs) not nearly as exciting. You find yourself waiting for those moments where you get back up to the top, where you can see everything below from that high point. And sometimes our spiritual life is like that, where we have those exhilarating moments. seems like everything's great. We might have that clear view of what is happening all around us. But at other times, we might get stuck, waiting while other things are happening that don't seem to impact us directly. Kind of like when people are getting on and off the ride. 
but we find ourselves getting stalled. We want to get back to the top. When have you had those low points or those moments where you feel stalled, where you, where you feel stuck? What do you do in those moments of your spiritual life? When you find yourself in that time of spiritual dryness, what should your response be? That's what we want to talk about today on The Inner Life, what we can do when we find ourselves in those periods of spiritual dryness. And joining us is our spiritual director for the hour today, Father Dave Heaney is back with us once again. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. He's the pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church in Whittier, California. And his latest book is called Luke 10 Leadership, How to Succeed in Parish Ministry. And it's available by Ave Maria Press. And Father Dave, welcome back to the program. And I should give full disclosure, the wheel, the, the Ferris wheel metaphor, I stole that completely from you. I loved the image of it. You'd shared some of your thoughts on that topic of spiritual dryness. And you brought up the Father Dave Ferris wheel image. I, I absolutely thought this was a fantastic way of explaining the spiritual life with its ups and downs. <laughs> well, thank you, Josh. You're welcome to use that image as often as you like. It's powerful, I think. Uh, yeah, I really do think so. You know, I had also heard, you know, those mountaintop experiences that we have where everything's mm -hmm. good. And I remember years ago, just kind of as I was meditating upon those mountaintop moments, thinking, okay, those are the times where everything seems really good and everything's wonderful. And I was thinking about the times where Jesus goes up on the mountain, like the transfiguration. And Peter and James and John, they realize, yes, this is fantastic. You know, Peter, uh, he doesn't realize what he's saying, the scripture says, but he says, can we build three tents or three, you know, little huts mm -hmm. here that we can stay in and keep you and Moses and Elijah here. But I was thinking about other moments where Jesus is on a mountain, like in the wilderness. And that's not, <laughs> that's not a great experience where he's being tempted by Satan, where he's weak from fasting for 40 days. Uh, of course, when he's on the mountain, hanging on a cross, and mm. he's offering his life. So uh, I, I really like the Ferris wheel uh, analogy, I think, better, because those mountaintop experiences that we see, sometimes they can be wonderful, but sometimes they can be filled with some uh, pretty tough moments there as well. But today, as we do talk about spiritual dryness, Father, how would you define that? How, what, what is spiritual dryness? How do we experience that in our lives? I think the term comes from the idea of either being in a desert uh, or a water well. And you go to the well to draw water because it's life-sustaining and you're thirsty, and you find, the, the, you find the well dry. So people that go to prayer, and they expect that you know, beautiful things will happen and good feelings and a, and, a, and a sense of being in grace. And when they begin the prayer or while they're praying, they just feel like the well has gone dry. And they feel like there's no water there for them to receive. And it can be very disturbing at times, and it can be unsettling. And we don't like it. And, and then there's kind of a search for answers. What's going on here? Is God, has God moved away from me? Or what's going on? So spiritual dryness is a very famous event in the spiritual life. Some of our most famous spiritual writers, John of the Cross, who we actually celebrate today at Mass, even Mother Teresa, uh, uh, St. Teresa, very famous people have experienced it and written about it, hoping to, to guide us as well. So it can happen to really some of the holiest people that we know. It's not a sign of God's disfavor, uh, but it is a sign that something has to happen for sure. Because, you know, I think we would like our spiritual life always to be rewarding. So spiritual dryness happens, hap is that 
momentary. It's a it's a time. It doesn't have to be momentary. It can last for a while, but it's an experience of going to prayer, going to God, and and just not finding enough water there. There's this just sense of being spiritually dry. That's what that term means. Well, and as you're talking about St. Mother Teresa, St. John of the Cross, and some of the others that we have mm. out there, I also thought, you know, uh, we, along with so many saints that have written about these times, I was thinking about even King David, someone described in Scripture mm. as a man after God's own heart. He writes in several of the Psalms where he has this feeling of being abandoned or forgotten or, you know, God, where are you? And Jesus even uses words from one of those Psalms when he's on the cross where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me or why have you abandoned me? And so, you know, one of the things that I guess comes to mind is if we go through this, we can, I guess, more than even some of those early people who experienced this in their lives, we have so many examples. We have that consolation to know, well, we're in good company. Don't, don't give up. Don't, <laughs> don't give in yeah. to despair at that moment. I think that's the exact right attitude. Uh, we are in good company, certainly with all the famous people that we've talked about, all those saints, but even our Lord. <clears throat> but I'm glad that you referenced his words on the cross as coming from a psalm. And a lot of people think when they read that passage, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They see it as simply a single sentence of despair. But everybody standing at the foot of the cross would have recognized that that verse instantly. In the same way that our most famous psalm today is probably Psalm 23. So if I say the Lord is my shepherd, you know, a lot of people will be able to say the second line, there's nothing I shall want. Because it's such a famous line. It's an opening line of a, of a psalm in which you recognize there's more lines to come, more ideas to come. And so when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Everyone recognized that as the psalm just before Psalm 23, Psalm 22, which begins with this lament, this cry of despair. But everyone would have recognized that it ends with the victory of the king. And that's what shook the Pharisees and the soldiers so much at the foot of the cross of Jesus, because they saw that he was quoting a psalm that, although it starts out dark and negative, ends with tremendous victory. So they, they could see that Jesus was up to something, and they were a little bit nervous. And I think you, you said a beautiful phrase that says, we don't panic. So if we find ourselves in a dry spell, um, it's uncomfortable, it's, it's unsettling, it's disturbing. Nobody likes it. It's called the dark night of the soul for a reason. Um, spiritual dryness is not a happy term, but we don't panic. We, we, we know that if we are patient and trust that there is a way forward, and certainly all of the saints and Jesus have shown us that path. You know, going back to your example as well of Psalm 23, and you talk about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want— there's a couple of lines in there where it deals with darkness. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, mm. I will fear no evil for you are with me. You set a table before me in front of my enemies. You know, there, there's, it's not saying that everything's going to be wonderful when God is your shepherd, when he's guiding you. There will be those difficult times. But one thing I remember hearing, I don't know when I heard this, and I wish I could tell you who I heard it from, because I always like to give... Um, you know, credit where it's due. But somebody had, had made the point 
that if you're walking through a valley of the shadow of death, a shadow is only a shadow when there's light around. There has to be some source of light. And so even in that valley of the shadow of death, there's the light of God that is there that's stronger than the darkness. And I always thought that was a beautiful image. It is. It's a very beautiful image. Um, I like to say that, uh, you know, how do you dispel a shadow? You, you put light on it, and the shadow immediately disappears. And so the light of Christ, the light of our faith, the light of scriptures, the light of our church traditions, all of these things slowly begin to dispel the shadow of, uh, of negativity, of dryness, of, you know, that kind of unsettling feeling that things aren't right. And so perhaps, you know, getting more of Jesus, getting more of Scripture, getting more of church understanding and wisdom and insight, all of those are part of the path out of that, that valley of death. Well, so let's, uh, first of all, let me open up the phone lines, Father. And if mm-hmm. anybody is listening and you'd like to call in, our uh, stu- studio line is 888-914-9149. We're talking with Father Dave Heaney today about spiritual dryness that we experience in our lives, uh, whether that's in your prayer, whether that's in uh, those times where you're calling out to God, asking for something, he doesn't seem to be there. You find those times where you're abandoned, you're lonely. And when have you experienced that dryness in your spiritual journey, your prayer life, what helped you through that time? Or maybe you're struggling with that right now. You're in that dry spell in your spiritual life right now, and you'd like a little advice or some encouragement. And again, you can call in and be a part of the program at 888-914-9149. And so, Father Dave, um, let's talk about those times where God doesn't respond. We have a few options when God isn't responding. Sometimes, it might be for our own benefit. You know, God, he knows his perfect timing and the things that are best for us at the right times. So it could be we're asking for something. We are approaching him with, you know, our prayers, our requests. And he might be holding off for a reason that we don't yet realize. We'll understand it later, you know, hindsight always <laughs> twenty twenty. But at this moment, that might be one of those reasons why we don't see... God responding to us, we might feel alone, we might find ourselves asking, are you there? Are you listening, God? And it might just be because, well, he's waiting on the perfect timing. And, and maybe another image is that he's waiting a little bit ahead of us and waiting for us to move forward. Uh, sometimes spiritual mm. dryness happens because we're stalled. Um, maybe we've been doing the same thing over and over again and really haven't reflected on it. Uh, Maybe our life has been changing, people around us, relationships are changing, and we haven't really brought that into our spiritual life. So sometimes spiritual dryness is a way of God calling us forward to a higher level, to a deeper level, and that the level that you've been on for right now um, was fine for a while, but it's no longer working, it's no longer enough. And spiritual dryness can be a signal. It's not so much a signal from God, but it's a signal to ourselves that that uh, we need to move forward. We need to move to a deeper place or higher place, uh, a more intimate place with God. And that, that calls for, you know, really new, new insights. You know, when, when you go to the well and the well is dry, the answer is put more water in the well. And so we need to uh, gain more insight, gain more wisdom, you know, maybe read scripture more, more ma- uh, attend mass more closely, uh, have, a, have a spiritual director, um, you know, consult wise 
uh, sources of Catholic information because then you're putting into that well the wealth of and depth of Catholic information of our faith. And very often that's what dispels that dryness because dryness is that kind of symbol of emptiness and putting in a lot of wisdom, putting in a lot of prayer uh, fills that well up and we find ourselves perhaps even fascinated by the new things that we've discovered in our prayer life return. So you can think about it as a journey where we're walking towards our Lord and he keeps on moving forward and we keep walking toward him. And he's calling us to a deeper, a more intimate, a higher level of prayer than where we were before, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. So it's, a, it's sometimes a good thing to feel that uncomfortableness, which is a signal to move deeper. Well, and and I like that image of God waiting ahead for us, that it, it requires something on our part, because there's mm-hmm. um, St. James in his letter in the New Testament, he has a part there in the fourth chapter where he talks about you don't receive or you don't possess because you don't ask. So, I mean, there's the first part there that he talks about, and he says you, you don't get anything that you're asking for because you simply haven't asked. So the idea of... We have to be somewhat responsible. We have to make that that move forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. The other part that St. James talks about, and maybe we can talk about this for a moment too, he says, you don't possess or you don't receive because you don't ask. But then he says, you also don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Mm-hmm. And so with that, that then becomes a question of motivation, a selfish motivation that might be in play here. And that might be a problem when we don't receive an answer or a response from God as well. Yeah, I think I think your use of St. James here is actually really quite uh, remarkable and very, very pertinent. You know, St. James is the patron saint of people on pilgrimage. He's, you know, he's famous for the his shrine in Spain is the destination of people on that famous Camino uh, walk. 500-mile walk of people who, um, the purpose of, of doing that is, is the walk itself. Uh, you find that uh, it's the journey that, that makes a difference. So when you were saying that sometimes, you know, you know uh, we seek but we don't ask, yes, there is a part that we play. God doesn't do everything and we don't do everything. Our spiritual life is a combination of what God does and what we do. And people who feel called to go on a pilgrimage, go on a journey, that's their part. They say, well, look, I don't know what's going to happen on this pilgrimage. I don't know what's going to, what insights I'll get, but I'm going to, I'm going to start walking and be open to what happens. And so that they, they, whenever you're walking on a journey, you're leaving something behind, which is familiar and difficult to leave behind. And you're walking towards something you're not quite sure about. So a walking journey is always leaving something behind and coming into something that's new. And that's, a combination of exciting but also difficult, uh, and the uh, but the uh, as we're as we're walking, we are gaining new insights. We're looking, thinking about ourselves in a new way, and all of that is our participation in our spiritual life. And people have that's why thousands of people every year make that journey because they found the experience of walking on a journey so powerful and a perfect metaphor for our spiritual life and. It's difficult. They're climbing up a mountain and sleeping out under the stars and maybe not having enough to eat this day or that. Uh, and yet they know that, that the, the journey itself will produce tremendous uh, spiritual satisfaction. 
Our spiritual director today on The Inner Life, Father Dave Heaney, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church in Whittier, California, and today talking about those moments where we experience that spiritual dryness and how we can, uh, how we can respond in those moments, but also how we can prepare ourselves for those moments, ways to move out of those moments. To, uh, when have you experienced that dryness in your spiritual journey? in your prayer life, and what helped you through that time. Maybe you're struggling with that dryness in your spiritual life, in your prayer time right now, and you'd like some advice, some encouragement. You have a question for Father Dave. You can call in right now and join the program at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll continue our conversation with Father Dave right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today's programming is brought to you by St. Gregory Recovery Center in Iowa. More information about their faith-centered addiction treatment is available at relevantradio.com slash stgregory. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom Probably the most famous Advent song there is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and one of those O antiphons that we have during this season. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, and I hope your Advent is going well. And uh, of course, here on our program today, our Spiritual Direction program, we're talking about spiritual dryness, how we are able to deal with those times, things that we can do, how we still persevere in those times. And how about you? When have you experienced those times where it's difficult to continue in prayer, where you find yourself wondering, is God really listening at this moment? Is he there? Why am I feeling so discouraged or that he's not responding? And how did you make it through that time? What helped you during that time? Maybe you're going through that type of time right now and you'd like some help on your spiritual journey. And that's why Father Dave is here. And you can call in at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Talking with Father Dave Heaney, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. And uh, Father Dave, we've got a number of phone calls that have come through. Let's go to Sister Elizabeth, who's listening uh, down in your neck of the woods, down in Los Angeles. Hi, Sister. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to say uh, it's redemptive suffering. As we know, it's our belief that human suffering, when accepted and offered up in union with the passion of Jesus, is a powerful source of grace for ourselves and for those we pray for. So experiencing spiritual dryness can be very painful. So when it happens, I remind myself of the church's teaching on redemptive suffering. And the fact that no matter what I'm feeling, it doesn't change that when being offered to Jesus, it is used for his glory and the salvation of my soul and others. Um, And I just want to mention one more thing, is my ministry with the sick and dying. I can see the difference in how they accept their suffering spiritually and physically when they know their faith. So my suggestion to people is always read about your faith. If it's on spiritual dryness, find those good, solid books um, from authors and, and read and know your faith. And then when these moments come in your life, 
it's so different. Yeah. Beautiful, so Sister Ring. I love the idea of cer- certainly seeking good sources of information, good books, new insights, new wisdom in our Catholic faith will be profoundly powerful. But I think the main thing that you're offering, which is so valuable, is that when suffering comes your way, and of course no one seeks suffering, no one you know, wants it to happen, but when it does, you did the right reflection on it. You did, you did something well with it. Um, so you, you kind of actively incorporated it in your spiritual life and found it redemptive to offer for the poor souls in purgatory or for your, the people that you meet in your uh, sick and ill ministry. So you did something with your suffering, which uh, is beautiful. And it just shows that kind of, you know, you didn't panic, you didn't collapse in despair because suffering came your way, you didn't draw the wrong conclusions. You said, this is happening, and how can I use this for good? How can I use this for to advance the kingdom of God? And that's exactly the way our Lord took the suffering that came His way uh, as well. Now, I think sometimes when, we, when suffering comes our way, we can legitimately take some time to, to say, have I brought this on myself? Am I shooting myself in the foot in some way? Is the suffering that I'm feeling coming from, you know, bad diet, no exercise, certain health things that I'm doing wrong? Uh, but if, if, you know, we've kind of eliminated all those issues and we have some challenge in our life, then knowing how to use it well, I think, is what you're sharing. And I think it's uh, valuable for our listeners to hear. So thank you for calling in and sharing that. Well, and Sister Elizabeth, uh, I'm glad you brought up the topic of redemptive suffering as well, because um, yesterday we had a wonderful conversation with Father Marcel Tyone here on The Inner Life talking about that exact thing, about redemptive suffering. And so that podcast is available. If you'd like to go back and listen to it, you can find yesterday's podcast at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app and uh, be able to listen to that conversation. And uh, if you're listening today and you get a hear about that spiritual dryness, but the ability to tie that into redemptive suffering, uh, that really is a wonderful way to make that worth something, not to feel like those times are just pointless, that they don't serve any purpose. Uh, Father Dave, let's also talk about the fact that we are in this season of Advent. And at Mass, we've heard several readings that point to John the Baptist. We've heard some of his words, this voice that's out in the wilderness. He's in that kind of dry, barren, parched land. He's calling people to repentance. He's calling people to prepare themselves for the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. And along with preparing, well, we find ourselves waiting. But that waiting, that preparing, we're supposed to rejoice along the way. And that's what this past Sunday, just a couple days ago, reminded Mm -hmm. us about. So uh, can you talk about, number one, the waiting that we go through when we're in these moments of spiritual dryness, but also not to not to let it be a moment of despair, but how we can still rejoice in that spiritual dryness. Sure. Even, even when there's that, that uncomfortable or that difficult suffering that we might be going through, how can we still hold on to that rejoicing attitude? Sure. Waiting is the, is the classic Advent term. We're waiting for Christmas to come. And, you know, we have a wonderful school here at St. Bruno, and uh, I know our students are waiting for Christmas. It's a, it's a happy time of family gather, gathering together and also opening presents but no matter how much they yearn for Christmas, it's not going to come any sooner than December 25th, so they have to wait. Now, for us adults, waiting at first, 
you know, it's difficult. You're waiting in line for something. You don't like that. But then you can say, there's nothing I can do about it. So how can I use this time? I have this waiting time. How can I use it well? It's like our earlier caller, Sister Elizabeth, using this suffering and challenging well, challenging times well. Well, waiting uh, this time, we use the time the best when we stop and take a second look at how we are living our life. That's what Advent is really for, is taking a second look, stepping back. Am I on the right direction? Am I on the right road? Am I socializing with the right people? Am I doing the right spiritual things? Have I advanced? Do I feel closer or further away from God? Those are all just the right questions. And, you know, the answers may not be happy at first, but the, but the resolution of those questions produces joy. You can say, you know what? I have been on the wrong road. And now I think I need to make this change. And I have been associating with the wrong people. And now I'm going to make this change. And I have been doing this, you know, I have been shooting myself in the foot in this way. And now I'm going to stop doing that. So I have a thing that I call Father Dave's Law. And Father Dave's Law is simply this. Anything that you find out about yourself, anything that you find out about yourself is always good news. Because now you know it, you recognize it, and now you can take steps to change it. It's what we don't know about ourselves that's going to hurt us. It's the inadvertent, unconscious things that we're doing that kind of send us down the wrong path. So thank God we have the season of Advent and also the season of Lent, both of which are designed to stop, look around, where am I going, what am I doing, what am I not doing that I need to do more of, and all of that leads to uh, just at uh, least to a deeper faith. And that deeper faith brings joy. So what, what at first looks like a problem, waiting, uh, at the end has a happy message because it means you've made the necessary changes in your life that you need to, to, to move your spiritual life forward, to move your family life forward, all your love relationships forward. If we don't take that moment to stop and reflect, then we're just going to kind of keep on blindly going and maybe making the same mistakes uh, again. Josh, if I could just say one thing, it's interesting that today's Mass, those of you who are lucky enough to go to Mass, the Gospel today was about two sons who were given a task to do, and one says, yes, I'll do it, and then doesn't. The other one says no, but then reflects and thinks about it and meditates and um, thinks a little bit deeper and then says yes. And that's a more considered decision. That's a better decision. That's why that son in the gospel is admired more because it wasn't an impulse. It wasn't, you know, spontaneous. He reflected on it. And Advent is a time of reflection. What journey am I on? And uh, if that brings me back closer to Christ, then it, absolutely Advent is the happiest time of the year. You know, as you're talking about that, though, Father, it strikes me more than almost any other time of year. Mm-hmm. As you're saying, this is a good time to stop, to wait, to look around. We get to know ourselves. We get to see, you know, maybe a little more of that insight into ourselves. This is a season, secularly, where I think it's the busiest time of year for me as a husband, as a father, as, you know, just with work, everything that's wrapping up, you know, uh, end of year. There's so many things that fight against that ability to stop, to wait, to look around, to have mm-hmm. those moments. And so it's going to take a very conscious, concerted effort to actually 
carve out those moments where we do stop, where we do wait, where we do look around. And you'll be rewarded for it. You know, uh, Christmas time, this time of year is a time of kind of automatic actions, put up lights, put up decorations, do this, go to this party, send this card. And, you know, this is what I have to do during this time. And I understand that. And that's what makes it hectic. And that's what makes it kind of overly busy. And that can lead to stress. I think if you made everything a considered decision, why am I sending this card to this person? And what do I want to say about it? Why am I putting up these decorations and not maybe another type of decoration? And what do these decorations say? And if I go to a Christmas party, how will I interact with people there? I think the more that your life is about kind of these considered reflective decisions, the more that you will feel that you are in charge of your life and not just kind of, you know, like a pinball bouncing, a, a, you know, around all the four corners of a pinball machine and being slapped around by the, uh, by the player. Uh, but you will be, you will feel more that what you are doing is a considered decision, is reflective, and that and God designed us in such a way that when we do that, we feel more satisfied, we feel more at ease, and even though other people are running around, uh, we are a still point in a turning world, and it's just much much more satisfying. So, take that time to do it, to reflect, to think. You'll be you'll find that it is very rewarding and satisfying. Father Dave Heaney is our spiritual director today on The Inner Life and our line that you can call in and be a part of the program and talk with Father Dave. It's 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Sophia who's listening in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Hi, Sophia. Thanks for calling into The Inner Life today. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, Father. Thank you. My question is, Father, when you pray, you have a request, you... Um, talk to God directly, and you do your prayers, your novenas, your rosaries. And I was just, my question is, is there a limit? Um, There's an understanding that God has heard your prayer. Um, Is it wrong to continue to pray and pray and pray um, and still not, you know, get an answer, but to continue to pray? Is it best to stand back and let God do His work and Mm -hmm. just trust in Him and allow Him His will? That's a great question, Sophia, and I love your name, of course, which means wisdom. So let me see if I can bring some wisdom to this. I think it's better to continue praying, but not in a panic mode and not in a demanding or insistent mode. But I think our Lord likes to know how serious is this quest for you? Uh, You know, yes, of course, God understands our prayers before we even say them. He understands our wants before we even know them ourselves. And yet he wants us to pray. I think that's an important idea. And why is that? Because it changes us also. We become more aware of what we want and how strongly we want it. Over what period of time do we want it? How often do we say it? So our frequency of prayer, how long the prayer is, how intense it is. All of these things help crystallize what we're looking for for ourselves. It could be praying for healing or uh, some change in our environment or in our family or at work. Um, so I think God prefers that we continue to pray. So he says, give us this day our daily bread. So he's, so that's something that we would pray every day uh, for our daily bread. But I think we want to make sure that it's not insistent or demanding uh, or uh, getting shrill because we, it's not happening on our time. So we just have to keep praying, recognize that 
you know, God responds in his time. Uh, and the answer may be yes or maybe no. Uh, but he, I think God says the, the act of prayer is beneficial to you as a way of crystallizing and, and fine-tuning uh, what it is that you're seeking. So I would say my, my idea would be to keep praying. Sophia, another thing that comes to mind is Jesus tells this parable in Luke's gospel. It's the 18th chapter, if you want to look it up. And he talks about there's this unjust judge, and there's this widow. She keeps on going to him again and again and again and again. And for it doesn't give the, the period of time, but it just makes it sound like it's a long time that she keeps on going. And finally, the judge he says, I'm going to give her the verdict that she is requesting, not because I really care about whether she gets this verdict or not. I just want her to stop bothering me. And then Jesus makes the point and says, you know, this is an unjust judge. How much more does God love you? How much more does he care for you? And which kind of goes back to what Jesus talks about, where he, he you know, says, don't worry, don't, um, you know, be concerned about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what clothing you'll wear. God takes care of the sparrow. God takes care of the lilies of the field, um, you know, things like that. And your father loves you more than lilies or than the sparrows of the field. So um, to keep on going back and praying, I think, you know, Jesus gives us that answer. I'd also say, you know, going back to what Father Dave said earlier in the program, too, that sometimes God is waiting for us to kind of catch up to where he is. And, you know, there's that delay on the response there for whatever reason. We just don't see it yet. Um, you know, Father Dave, that that's one of those things that I thought was so important that you brought up earlier in the hour, that Sometimes God, you know, he's, he's waiting for us to kind of get to where he knows we need to be before he, mm-hmm. he's going to answer us. And I think repeating prayers um, is a way of ourselves getting a little bit deeper, too. Repetition is not a bad thing. Uh, I, I tell married couples, you know, you say your wedding vows on your wedding day, but don't let that be the last time that you say them. Right. You know, say them over and over again, same words, I love you, I love you. Uh, I don't think any spouse ever gets tired of hearing that, especially when it's backed up by good behavior. So saying our, I love you to someone over and over again is a beautiful thing. It, it's, it crystallizes and, and makes solid the relationship that you have. And I think uh, our prayer solidifies and, solid, and, and makes real our relationship to God as one seeking help, seeking advice, seeking wisdom, seeking a change. And uh, that's always a good thing. Again, talking with Father Dave Heaney today on The Inner Life as we're discussing those moments of spiritual dryness. When have you experienced that dryness in your spiritual journey or maybe in your prayer life? And what helped you through that time? Or maybe you're struggling with that dryness right now and you'd like some help, some encouragement, some advice on your spiritual journey. You can call in and join the program and speak with Father Dave at 888-914-9149, More with Father Dave and more of your phone calls coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. Cause no matter how far away you roam, 
I know some people might roll their eyes at me, but I, I really like Perry Como. Um, I, I remember hearing years ago that he always, around Christmas, he would have a show and he would sing the Ave Maria. And he refused to sing it any other time. He always saved it for around Christmas time. But uh, yeah, uh, beautiful. And I, I, I also remember reading, he was just a, apparently a really nice guy. Just everybody liked him. He, he, he just was uh, somebody that nobody had a bad thing to say about. I, if, only, if only we all could be that way, right? If nobody could say a bad thing about us. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond. And our spiritual director today, Father Dave Heaney. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church in Whittier, California, talking about spiritual dryness today and the things that we can do to move out of those periods of dryness. And what have you done in your life? to be able to move forward when you have those dry moments in your spiritual journey or in your prayer life. Or maybe you're dealing with that right now. You can call into the program at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, let's go to Colin, who's listening in Manhattan Beach, California. Hi, Colin. Thanks for calling into the inner life today. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be uh, being able to get the opportunity to ask you guys uh, a quick question. Um, I wanted to give you just a little bit of context to help you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, I grew up and my dad was a hardcore atheist. Um, so I would kind of place my religiosity in sort of an agnostic place right now. Um, and I think that has to do with this question because, um, so often I find myself, uh, kind of in a despair of, not a despair, but an absence of, uh, what was it? What was the term that you used earlier? Um, when you find yourself dry, like in a dry spell of spirituality, is that how you put it? Yeah. Kind of a dark night, a dark night or a dry spell. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, often with peers of mine, because I'm, I'm 20 years old, um, with peers of mine, I see that they turn to, uh, whether it's alcohol, marijuana, uh, some other forms of drugs, uh, they turn to these substances to uh, kind of mask the pain that they are feeling from uh, that absence of kind of feeling like they're part of something bigger and just better than themselves. Maybe not better is the right word, but anyway, right. I just wanted to ask you both uh, what you think uh those people should do who have cultivated a habit of turning to substance uh, should do with their absence of spirituality. Sure. Thank you, Colin. I think, number one, nothing good will happen if they continue in the addiction. Nothing good will happen. It's a spiral, it's a spiral down. Um, there's just no other direction that addiction goes. So number one is to deal with the addiction. If they deal with that, if they're able to get out of that spiral down, just actually automatically a lot of good things happen. And then they're more open, they're more available uh, to talk about, you know, the larger issues and the meaning of their life and the direction it should go. It's no accident that the most successful addiction recovery program of all is Alcoholics Anonymous. And it begins with that first step, which is acknowledging a higher power. All the other steps flow from that. Everything in our life flows from that. 
but I would say the number one thing, first and foremost, is to uh, deal with that addiction because that is a prison that will just take over a person's life completely. And uh, it, it just spirals down into a, into a pit of selfishness. And when you get that selfish, then you are open to nothing outside of yourself. And it is a horrible, horrible life. So my advice to them is deal with that first, and then all the other good things can come. Well, and Father, as Colin is talking about this too, you know, friends that they're dealing with something. So in essence, they're self-medicating. It's, you know, it's going to be normal in those moments of spiritual dryness that we're going to find ourselves maybe being discouraged. But how can we distinguish if we're truly dealing with what is really spiritual dryness or if there's something more going on if we are dealing with clinical yeah. depression or something where we do need to see a counselor? Well, I think, first of all, we want to say that spiritual dryness is not abnormal. It really is kind of a normal circumstance of someone who's on a journey and leaving things behind and facing new things and being uncertain about it. That's normal. I mean, uh, you know, St. John of the Cross, St. Therese, uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, they all experience that. It's, it's, uh, and so we don't, that's why we say we don't panic and we have, a method, we have a method of moving forward from that spiritual dryness. Depression uh, is, a, is a medical issue, it's a psychological issue, and it would probably take a, a professional counselor to diagnose, but that's, it is a disorder. It's not the way that God would like us to be. Now, it's not a sin. It's not a personal sin. But it is, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes your body catches the flu. Sometimes your mind can catch kind of a disease of depression. Mm. And so there's treatment for it. um, And the treatment is normal. But it would probably take a professional to distinguish one or the other, or perhaps how they overlap and interact. But first of all, we want to say that spiritual dryness is not a sin. It's, It's a, you know, it's our time on the Ferris wheel where we're not at the top, but we're at the bottom. Um... And uh, so we, we just, that's why we don't panic and we have a way forward. So spiritual dryness is uh, a normal feature of our spiritual life, but depression is a disorder, not a sin, but it just needs to be treated by a professional. You know, Father, before we run out of time here, one thing that, uh, as we're talking about this issue of spiritual dryness, I wanted to talk about trusting God. You know, when we're in those moments where we do feel alone, if we're feeling abandoned, if we're at a place in our spiritual journey where we are saying, you know, is God listening? Is he really there? When we persevere in prayer, I think that shows a gift of faith. It shows that we still have that trust in God. And I I have to believe that in those moments where it is difficult to pray, where it is difficult to continue in our faith life, God will give us some special yes. graces in those moments. That's the meaning of Christmas. You know, everything that God does in the scriptures is always in response to this idea. I have heard my people's cry. And, and that was, you know, the understanding of Mary when the angel came to her, that, the, that God had heard the people's cry and that the, the Savior, the Messiah, would come. Uh, so we never panic. We don't, uh, we don't get impatient. Uh, we don't, uh, you know, lose our head. We just, you know, stay the course, gain new insights, bring in new wisdom, fill that well with new water, make new wine like Jesus did at Cana, uh, and the spiritual uh, energy will, will flow back in soon. So we don't panic. 
And actually, this Christmas season is a perfect example of people who waited and were wonderfully rewarded with the presence of Jesus in Bethlehem. Mm. Yeah, well, in that waiting, again, <laughs> it can be a tough one. Uh, any, any prayer you might recommend for somebody who is saying, okay, I want to wait, it's just so difficult. Any prayer that you might say, yeah, focus on this or maybe meditate on a uh, part of Scripture? I don't think there's any prayer greater than the one that Jesus composed himself, mm. the Our Father. Sure. Uh, and I think just that phrase, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, you know, give me what I need today and each and every day. Wonderful. Father Dave, uh, about 20 seconds remaining here. Can I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners? Heavenly Father, help us with patience in times of dryness and wisdom to move forward. We always ask your blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Again, Father Dave Heaney, our spiritual director, and if you'd like to read his latest book, it's called Luke 10 Leadership, How to Succeed in Parish Ministry, available by Ave Maria Press. Might make a very nice Christmas gift this year. I want to encourage you to stay tuned for Mass, and coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk about seasonal loneliness that we might go through. Father Rob Kroll will be our spiritual director on the program. Hope you have a wonderful afternoon. We'll talk with you tomorrow here on The Inner Life.